This show is brought to you by Hospice Chaplaincy, promoting excellence in spiritual care at the end of life. For more information, please visit www.hospicechaplaincy.com. You are listening to The Hospice Chaplaincy Show, a show where we talk about the psycho-spiritual and psychosocial aspects of -of end-of-life care. You can find our podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to give us your feedback by writing a review on iTunes and any platform you listen to the show from. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Saul. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. I'm Saul Alabama. And I'm Joe Newton. And today, in honor of Wild Children's Day, we've invited uh, our returning guest, Paul Nash, to join us. Uh, welcome to the show. Saul, Joe, thank you for having me back. It's a joy. Um, I've really enjoyed sharing the podcast that we were able to do and some of the other ones that you've done have been really relevant for our field. So it's a joy to be back with you. Thank you. Ten years ago, you you and your team, you embarked on preparing uh, small children's books to help children deal with grief. What was the motivation for that? Yeah, uh, I mean, motivation is the key word there, actually, Saul. We, um, I, I, I'd been around paediatric chaplaincy for a little bit then, probably, you know, so we kind of the journey started about 11 years ago. So I'd been around about eight, eight nine years And we were really found that there's a really short, you know, propensity of books to help children deal with suffering that were written for children. And um, what we found wasn't out there was was the triangulation of taking three things equally seriously. So the Christian faith, um, their development level, uh, and their condition. And, and we found very, very little that took all those three things equally seriously. And um, a, a friend of mine had done a very tiny book series. Of, and the booklets, when I say booklets, they really were tiny. They're about the size of your phone. So they're, they're really tiny. They were called Teddy Horsley. Um, and I went to the publishers who I, I didn't I didn't know them. I went to the publishers and I said, do you, do you think we could have a book called Teddy Horsley? Teddy Horsley really was a Teddy. Could we have one that Teddy goes to hospital or Teddy's friend dies? And so um, it was one of those bizarre things. And they kind of heard my story and heard what we were about. And they came back to me and said, um, no, I, I, I don't think that's going to work. Um, but would you like to work with one of our editors on your own series? Uh, yeah, OK. Um, you know, I mean, you know, just really just completely bowled over. So um, they gave us one of their uh, editors and um, and she then found an illustrator because that was her skill. So uh, Victoria Beach was, was the editor that, that we worked with. And um, we then worked with the Paediatric Chaplaincy Network in, in, in Great Britain and Ireland and allocated different members of the team to eat each of the books. And so we thought we wanted uh, two, three books to begin with. You know, once they offered us a series, we're like, yeah, sure, let, let's, let's really do a series. So we thought a, a child being in hospital. And then we knew what was really difficult was uh, a booklet for a child that was dying. 
that was palliative care, life-limited, life-threatening illness, and then a bereaved sibling. Um, and then we started to work on all three. Um, and really quickly, we, we realized that, <laughs> and this is where it got really embarrassing, we went back to them and said, we, we don't think we've covered it enough. We think we might need a fourth. <laughs> and so we ended up with um, visiting hospital and then staying in hospital, as well as the palliative and the, uh, and the bereavement booklet. Um, so we, so we, we worked with uh, each of the books. Um, and then, so we, we picked a name of a child um, to try and be inclusive, different genders, different traditions, different cultures uh, for each condition and each story uh, part of that. Um, and then, so we we ended up with, um, so uh, Maya goes to hospital, uh, Josh stays in hospital, Sam and his special book, and Jesus still loved Joe. Um, so the special book was about writing a special book around palliative care, which you might know is what a lot of, you know, palliative care specialists do of doing stories. And um, and his special book was his history book about his life. And I'll tell you more about the take that we did. And Jesus Still Loves Joe was a strap line that we did for the bereavement book, that whatever G Joe feels, like you talked in your previous podcast about being honest with how the children are feeling about being angry and sad, not to dismiss that, but just to kind of go, you know, and so the, the, the picture on the front is Joe stomping his feet, having a really good tantrum. And the title of the book is Jesus Still Loves Joe. You, mm -hmm. you know, so we kind of taking all of that equally seriously. And then, it, you know, when you look back in hindsight, you should, I, should, I should have seen that coming. You know, I'm, I'm old enough now. <laughs> and uh, and Joe and I have been trying to have a little bit of competition of who's the oldest or youngest. But anyway, we'll, we'll save that for what was off mine. But, but we won't tell any stories, will we, Saul? Nope. We'll, we'll just leave some privacy and dignity mm -hmm. somewhere. And um, and the and the uh, the publishers came back to us and said, uh, "We need a title for the series." Ah. And we're like, "Okay." And you know when you think you, that will be something that's just really easy? It ended up being harder than any of the books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and we kept throwing around all these ideas and, you know, we, we wanted to kind of, like I said, take that triangulation and just, you know, what could you call four books, you know, four different perspectives, right. you know, four different stories in a, in a child's journey you know, right the way from visiting hospitals for something really minor, right the way through to a bereaved sibling. And, and we, honestly, guys, we really struggled. I mean, seriously struggled. We got all the authors together, the editors, the publisher, the illustrator, and, and we got absolutely nowhere. And um, so what I did, I got everybody together in a room, um, and uh, ironically, and this was quite fortuitous at the time, the only room in our hospital I could find was the education room in our emergency department. Mm -hmm. So as we are having this discussion, everything is happening outside, right? I mean, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, 
And um, there's, a, um, there's a wonderful American author that's just brought out a, a book just literally just recently it's called uh, Marcia Bungie on child theology. And it, here in the UK, we've, we, um, we're, my wife and I, Sally, are part of a wonderful organisation called the Child Theology Movement. And they've taken those, that verse in scripture where Jesus comes and places a child in the midst uh-huh. uh, as a core structure uh, for doing theology. Um, you, know, you know, and they base then their theology around always having Jesus bringing that child to the midst. And um, I, I did a, I, my other part of my world is in adult education and experiential learning. And so I got that, I got us in the room and that table shape where you have the square of the tables, but you have the gap in the middle. Yep. Can you, can you visualize what I mean? Yep. Where, mm. where the, all the tables don't meet. And I got us and I designed the room like that. And I got us all around the table and I said, what I want us to do, I want us to envisage Jesus bringing all of those children with all of those conditions and bringing those children into the midst. Mm and bringing us right into the middle of this room. And then we asked ourselves three questions. What would those children want to say to us? Um, What would our Christian faith want to say to them? And what would Jesus want to say to them? And, uh, you know, initially it was quite hard because, you know, just as a, you know, as a learning environment, it was quite hard to, you know, authentically hear that the, the the voice of the child and the different child, the, you know, the different children, you know, of Sam and Maya and Josh and you know all of them, and we shared words like, you know, um, comfort and support for all children, promise of salvation, peace of God, never leaving us, you know, words, you know, you know, of peace and hope and, you know. What was it that the children would want to say they needed from Jesus, you know, when they were vulnerable and susceptible and discouraged and fear and lonely and stigma? And so, you know, we threw around some of those words and we kind of went, you know, that these are great words, but we just couldn't quite find, find the title. And, you know, obviously we then come back to key words like love and you kind of think, well, there must be, you'd be going to have a title, at least, you know, it must have love in it, but, you know, nothing quite seemed to come right of hearing the children, hearing the voice of Jesus, you know, in trying to listening in to, you know, almost that conversation of Jesus and those children and us joining in to try and figure out what what that, those children would want to say to us. Mm. And we we kept coming back uh, to to hope. Oh. And and you guys will know, you know, there's lots of different types of of hope. Um, and we use appropriate hope here a lot in our hospital because we think there's a lot of inappropriate hope that's done for even good motives. Um, and then all that comforting and journeying with, we thought was really, really important. Uh, and, the, and the voice that we heard the strongest, uh, the consensus in the room was that we ended up proposing that the series of the title was this, uh, Held in Hope. Mm. And we just thought, whatever situation 
those children were in, whatever age they were, and again, we're talking, you know, seven to 11-year-olds, they would be held in hope. And we thought that that was authentic to our faith and authentic to what they would need for, for their faith journey. That's a very that's a very powerful image that you bring that you're holding them in hope and I I, I sense that that is the entire purpose of these these books as well is that yeah. we try to remember that that they are have as much power in their beings and their soul that we each as adults have and that we need to we need to to treat that as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and and you're absolutely right. I'm just hearing that that wisdom from the from the children. I I think mm-hmm. I told the story last time when we when we did the Russian dolls when we talked about spiritual play, and the and the young girl split out all of her Russian dolls and picked the smallest up and the biggest one up and said, "Which one's God? The smallest one that lives inside me, or the biggest one that surrounds me?" And you kind of go, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, move, move, move over all you theologians. The children have a right, right? That, that's I mean, right, exactly right. You, 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 you know, and so just listening to that, listening to that voice, and you know, taking those three contexts seriously. That age development that you guys eloquently talked about in that other podcast, their condition. You know, if the child has died, the child has died. But let's not. You know, and using appropriate language for that development level. And that that seven to eleven, they've moved out of imagery, they've moved out of metaphor. You, you know, we're not, you know, they they're dealing in reality. Now, again, not every child's the same, but in general mm-hmm. terms, and they understand death as death and as finished. And just to, you know, with one of the things you picked up in that other podcast was. You know, we say a lot of good things, you know, for good intentions to these children, and we try and be gentle with them, but it tra- it equally traumatizes them. If we say to them, you know, oh, they've just gone to sleep and they never wake up, well, how are they going to feel when they go to sleep next? I, yeah. I mean, we, we understand the pastoral motivation, but, in, you know, the outcome is, isn't always what, what we hope. And especially if you have... You know, if you're in the home and you have more than one children and you start talking about how your, you know, their brother or their sister went to sleep, I've heard stories where kids were scared, beyond scared, to go to bed. That, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up the same way. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, trying to make it simple for someone that young to understand and you're, you're, you're causing more harm. Yeah. So let's yeah. come back to the series. What was the first book in Held in Hope series? We we published them all all four at the same time. So um, the, the history was uh, it was a fantastic. Um, we don't always find positive things for our for our governments, but our government decided to put three million uh, pounds into a pediatric palliative care, um, and um, uh, the our region. Uh, our palliative care region uh, involved our chaplaincy team in the local bid, and um, we we ended up with virtually um, all the bid for religious, spiritual, and pastoral care resources. And this series was just one of 
was one element of that. So we were on a deadline to spend the money as well. It was, <laughs> yeah, I, it was a, it was one of them. I'm glad it's an experience that's passed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, you know, all those bonus things like sleep and rest and breathing and you, you know, all of those bonus things when, so it was a very, very silly time. And you guys are getting to know me well enough by now that I, I, I kind of get inspired on the way rather than just up front. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. so we uh, we kind of went, yeah, books is a great medium, but wouldn't it be great if we had a video of, mm. of all these books? It's the time and age you know, for that so, kind of stuff. You know, and you, we kind of went, yeah, but if we're going to have a video they then need to be on a website and then the website needs to be in the book. <laughs> and we went, okay. <laughs> that means we need to find somebody to record these videos and get them done and get them on a website and get the link uh, before we can publish the book, right? Mm. Right. So um, we we threw around a few people, in, you know, names, uh, Several of them wouldn't be known to, to, to you guys in, in the U.S. of uh, prominent Christians in, in this country. Um, and nothing quite fitted. And it was just one of those wonderful, somewhere between serendipitous, providential, God's original plan that we just finally caught up with, that somebody was just uh, a friend of, of a friend of a friend was, was out at a dinner party uh, with Bear Grylls. Uh, and just happened to say to him what we were doing. And he said, oh, that's really interesting. Is there anything I can do? We we approached him. Um, and, and as you imagine, you know, we, we're trying to be godly, right? But mm -hmm. we, we are fighting one another to obviously go and coach Bear Grylls how to do these stories properly, because obviously <laughs> that's only the responsible thing to do, right? Yes. <laughs> especially, especially when we hear... At that moment, he's going to record them that he's in situ in New Zealand. So we're going, to, I'm going, no, I think, you know, as the project lead, I think I need to go, you, you know, and just go and make sure he gets the real spirit of it. But yeah, no, none of us went. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, uh, and apparently, um, and, and I've no reason to doubt this, he uh, had the books, he, obviously not as in the published version, and apparently he just went into a studio in New Zealand and he read each book perfect first time. Really? That's that's yeah. incredible. And they just did one take for each book. With that, we'll take a little break. Our guest is Paul Nash. We'll be right back. If someone you know is suffering from mental health issues and could use some support, please call the National Alliance for Mental Illness Helpline. It is a free nationwide peer support service, providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. To contact the NAMI helpline, please call 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, or send an email to info at nami.org. I'm Sole Bem, and you're listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. We continue our conversation with Paul Nash. Uh, Paul, one of the books that you did was Sam and His Special Book. 
But I want our listeners to first hear the audio version of this book, and then we'll have a conversation about it after. Let's listen. Sam and his special book, read by Bear Grylls. That's me. This is Sam. Sam likes balls and pools and playing. Sam is very poorly. Sometimes his body hurts. Mummy and Daddy have worked hard to make him better. The doctors have worked hard to make him better. The nurses have worked hard to make him better. But they can't. Sam's mummy and daddy have made a special book all about Sam's life. They look at the pictures together. This is Sam and his mum playing with balls. Sam likes balls. This is Sam with his dad playing a game. Sam likes games. Sam looks at the pictures with his brother Charlie. This is Sam and Charlie at the pool. Sam likes pools. Sam looks at the pictures with his sister Eva. This is Sam and Eva playing. Sam likes playing. Sam looks at the pictures with his friend Jake. This is Sam and Jake with their church family. Sam likes his church family. Sam has a special friend who is not in the pictures. His special friend is Jesus. Sam can't see Jesus, but Jesus is always with Sam. Sam and Jake draw pictures of Jesus to add to Sam's book. Sam has been told that when Jesus's friends die, they go to be with Jesus in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. Sam likes the idea of a place where his body won't hurt anymore. Jake remembers a story from children's church. When Jesus was going to die, he felt scared and lonely, but he promised his friends. That he was going to make a special place for them in heaven. Jesus called heaven God's house. Sam and Jake wonder what their rooms in God's house might be like. Sam draws a picture of Jake's room for his book. They draw pictures of more rooms. One for Sam's mummy, and one for his daddy. One for Sam's sister. And one for his brother. They stick the pictures in Sam's book. Sam can't decide what his room will be like, but everyone agrees that whatever Sam's room is like, it will be perfect, and just right for Sam. Sam does not know what will happen next in his book. 
but he knows he will be safe with his friend, Jesus. Paul, uh, that's, that's really powerful. Uh, the emphasis on what Sam likes and um, his relationship with Jesus, I mean, uh, that's really a powerful concept, my friend. Well, again, we, we wanted to... The great thing about being able to work with a publisher like Christian Education is that although we're in a multicultural city, uh, Birmingham in the UK, we're, our principles are to take each faith authentically. We, we don't do in, interfaith or uh, we, we just take each faith care seriously. And so we can take the Christian faith seriously of whatever faith resource that we're doing. And also, so then we can take that, that individual, you know, the scriptures equally seriously as they engage with uh, that child of how they would understand the scriptures and how they would then understand their condition in the light of that and to have those honest, frank conversations. And, you know, as you could see, you know, that, that's, a, that's a difficult thing, you know, for, for a family to go through. But it, what, what we tried to do would, was to, you know, in that triangulation, take all things equally seriously uh, and be very, very honest about the difficulties of that. Did you talk to many kids about what would be uh, something that they would listen to or read i mean i'm, I'm yeah. looking at the idea that that you know here you you know did this come from the adult point of view or have from the kids point of view well we again the the children were involved as, as a part of the consultation pr okay. process and and comes out of we we took everybody around who involved in each of the books so two chaplains from the pediatric chaplaincy network were involved uh, so they we took two who were involved in hospices and they then these are the type of things that they did with the children oh, when they were okay. in palliative care in the hospices. So th mm -hmm. these, you know, they, 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 they're not kind of hypothetical situations. They were these were the kind of kind of things, you know, they were doing with with the children if they if they were of the Christ, of the Christian faith. And so that was that was important. So the way in which we use them is. Um, and this is where, you know, we we're you know, the, the bibliotherapy, we're using books and stories, is that um, we would then use these and people are then using them in children's hospitals and hospices. Um, so so a couple of illustrations. Um, we, um, on our intensive care unit, um, you know, we, we have some obviously some very, very poorly uh, babies and we, um, you know, this was pre-COVID, and so the parents were in, and their extended family were in, and and uh, and an older sibling were in, and I, and I got invited to go in with the family. They'd been told their baby was going to die uh, soon, um, and um, I I was asked to uh, go and support uh, the 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 older brother, mm -hmm. and so I showed them that book. I gave the parent the book to the parents. And I said, this is what we have. Um, if you're happy with it, I'll, I'll sit down with your son. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to use his name and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and read the book uh, with him if you'd like me to, just to kind of engage with how poorly his sister is. Um, and the parents were very happy for me to do that. Um, and then I said, we, we finished it. 
and um, I said, what, what, do you, what do you think? And we, we have another version of the video where it pauses, where you can ask questions. Sure. Um, and so we, it, we did that, and then it, we, it, the video asks questions, and he answered the questions and engaged with it. And, yeah, no, this is sad, and I don't understand, and why is this happening? And, you know, it gave him the ability to ask all those questions. Um, um, and so we watched one video and then we watched the, you know, the interactive version of the, of the video um, uh, as, as, as we did this. Um, and and we, what we could see is as we read the book and then watched the videos, all the adults gravitated to, <laughs> towards the screen in the room uh, as they could kind of hear all of this going on. And I, and I was aware of this kind of this shift of people, you know, you know uh, mm-hmm. there we were having a nice one-to-one around the screen watching these videos uh, after reading the book. And, 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 and what we found was, we, we, and this is where I love just not being clever enough, mm-hmm. what we realised was we'd ended up, we put parents' notes in the back of each book to help them engage and community notes to help them engage with their children. But what we ended up being able to do is to give the parents a language to engage with their children. Right. And we just, we honestly, we weren't clever enough to to do to do that. And and what it did was it not only gave a language to engage with the children, it gave a language for the adults to engage with it as well. And that's why we didn't put any ages on any of the covers of the book. Mm -hmm. Because as we know. With children with different long-term conditions and different le- learning abilities, it's not fair, really, to just kind of put it in that kind of straitjacket. It, it doesn't reflect the spectrum of children's abilities. And so we always just say, here's a book. If you think this fits your child, um, and uh, that, then that's that we'll, we'll leave that to you. And so we we ended up watching, read the book, watched the first video, watched the interactive video, and all that by now, all these parents uh-huh. and the families are, are all gathered around the screen. And so I'm still trying to have this, you know, really, you know, meaningful conversation with 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 this seven year old boy. I go, what do you think? Do you, do you understand that your baby sister's now very poorly today, and she's going to die today, and that's very sad, isn't it? And he. You know, he welled up a bit, and he and he said, "You know, I, 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 I under, I, yes." You know, he kind of, you know, he wasn't quite, you know, wasn't overly articulate, but he, you know, he he articulated enough that that he got it. Uh-huh. And I said, "But and your sister is very special, isn't she?" And I said, "We're going to do some prayers for her now. Um, would would you would you now like to help me do that?" And his eyes just lit up. And he said, yes, please. You, you know, how those kind of children, you, you know, yeah. that kind of job just offered him the world. He couldn't have been. And so we we do this little um, uh, end-of-life activity uh, where we have these small gold hearts. And he stood at the end of the bed with, with um, well, I, I have to, I'll, I'll tell you the story as, as it really happened. He had a very, very expensive glass plate with these gold hearts. And so inside, um, I'm going, okay, well, let's offer them around to all the all the other people in the room, thinking, oh my goodness me, this is going to make what a noise this is going to make if he drops it. But I'm <laughs> kind of trying, you know, I've got my, 
you know, that inner and outer voice going on. Um, and he um, he stood at the end of the bed holding out this beautiful glass dish of gold hearts. And what we do is we offer the parents and the families to come and lay a, a heart on the child um, as, a, as a sign of their love for their child and then to take a heart away uh, as a sign of their child's love for them. And he stood there and he helped me and he held it out for all the adults in the room. And then I said, I'm going to hold this now for you to come and take yours and you to come and, and place your heart uh, on your on your sister and you to take one away as your eternal love for her and her eternal love for you. And, and he did it and he engaged and yeah, he was upset, but it, it's okay that he's upset, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. why... Everybody was upset. Um, and so, that you know, that's just one, you know, one way in which we've kind of used the, the stories and the videos, uh, in, you know, to engage with the, with the children, to have very, very honest, you know, conversations with, with them. Yeah, with that, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Continuing to be a leader in the field of spiritual care at the end of life, Hospice Chaplaincy provides high-quality professional development webinars that will improve your practice of spiritual care at the end of life. Check out our latest webinars at www.hospicechaplaincy.com. I'm Saleh Bam, and you're listening to the Hospice Chaplaincy Show. We continue our conversation with Paul Nash. Uh, Paul, uh, in my eyes, you're like that uh, uh, legendary uh, <laughs> pediatric chaplain. Uh, your theories and your concepts really help children deal with death, dying, and grief. We just watched your video and listened to the story of Sam. Uh, can you explain more about uh, Sam's book? So I, I went to see this uh, young teenager, uh, and he'd um, very, very sadly been... Uh, told that uh, his illness was was not curable, um, and obviously, you know that that's really hard for a, a, a young person to hear. Um, and I was the on-call chaplain and had the privilege to to go out. and he, And uh, the message I got from his palliative care nurse is that he has some questions about heaven and it, what's heaven like, and is he going to go? And I'm kind of thinking, okay, right, hmm, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I, maybe I was away from college that week. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, I, I went and just met this very poorly but gr gracious uh, lad. And uh, we started talking about all the different things that he had. And he invited me in, into, his, into his room, which was, I mean, as you guys know, you know, when, when you're that poorly and in palliative care, it's your bedroom, but it's your, it's your, it's your hospital room, it's your palliative care room, it's, you know, there's plenty of kit ar ar around as well. But there was lots of things in the room, and, and but there was lots of adventure stuff as, as well. And, and, and clearly when he'd been well, he was just into everything. And so we talked about it, and, and, and he just came up and he said, oh, I just, and I, I said, what do you like watching? He said, oh, I really like those Bear Grylls adventures. I said, well, yeah, well, funny you should mention Bear Grylls. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a book. Uh, but it's not really written for for you for your age group. Um, but you know, Bear Grylls kindly did some, you know, uh, told some, read out some of our books. Um, 
would would you like to have a look at the book and, and watch the video together? Um, and he's, you know, he kind of, I had him, as as they say, you had me at Bear Grylls, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. And so um, uh, we sat there and I downloaded the, the, the video onto my phone and we and we sat there and, and we watched Sam together. And um, he said, uh, uh, you know, he said, oh, that, that, yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? You, you know, and I said, so I said, what, what, what would you like your room to be like? Um, uh, and, and he said, um, he's a young teenager, right? He turned around and said, yeah, I've, I've missed out quite a lot on life. He said, um, do you think I could have a bar? <laughs> I said, well, you, you, you take that up with God when, when you get there. <laughs> that was a teenager. So, um, and so I, I met with him a, a couple of times and he, and he got more poorly and poorly. Uh, and he, you know, he spoke very freely. You know, he had a Christian faith and he spoke very readily uh, about, um, you know, when he'd been recently, he'd only been recently baptized uh, uh, um, in the local parish church. And he said, I'd really like to go to church and, and pray before I die. Mm. Uh, and I said, oh, I'm sure we can sort that out. So we got in touch with his local vicar and, uh, and, and made arrangements and she came to the house as well. And, and, um, and um, yeah, we, it wasn't appropriate for his development age to start drawing pictures like Sam, right? But we discussed what his room was like. And um, we, um, we, we have some, um, uh, one of the other activities that we do, especially that we've developed during COVID is like, you know, things that are cleanable. So we have some beautiful glass um, uh, uh, stones uh, with words in them. And we have a lady that makes them for us very reasonably. I, I think she probably loses money on them and just gives them part of her giving. I mean, it's just lovely. And, and I said to this young lad, and I put some out, I said, what, what, what would you like? And he picked the one that said secure. Mm. So beautiful. You know? you know, and so, you know, we as you process some of these, you know, this bibliotherapy and there's some wonderful guys in the Pediatric Chaplaincy Network in America who are really developing, you know, storytelling uh, with, with children therapeutically and, and spiritually therapeutically. You know, they're not pretending they're, they're play workers or child specialists or psychologists, you know, they're, they're chaplains uh, using storytelling and, and wonderful books uh, to, to engage with children. And uh, it, it's, you know, for all the games and, and all of those things, you know, um, there's, there's, you know, the, the, the ability to sit down and still read with children or watch videos of books and audio books is still very, very appealing to very many, many children. Um, since we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the publication of these amazing books, is there one more that you want us to play before we conclude this episode? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of almost taking this a little bit in, in chronological order. And, you know, these, the, these second, you know, the third and fourth book, Sam and his special book for palliative care and, Jesus still loves Joe uh, for a bereaved sibling. We're we're probably 
the hardest for us to 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 write and and illustrate and and the, our publishers christian education was so supportive of us in 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 our in our journey and making sure that we had all the resources that 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 we needed and uh, when people look at the videos and get the books they'll see you know we take you know the book we just listened to you know the child has a tube and you know we try to take it you know their their illnesses seriously of what of what they look like um but th- this was quite counterintuitive because when when we came to write the the bereaved sibling book one's tempted to write about the child that's died because that's what you want to honor but if you're the sibling what is it that you need to hear the story about you actually need to hear the story about the sibling because that's you and we went, oh. <laughs> and so we almost had to kind of almost turn the book on its head to kind of go, where where does the focus need need to be? And and so um you you will hear in the book, you you will get very quickly why the book is called Jesus Still Loves Joe, as as you hear uh Joe's journey uh through his bereavement. Jesus Still Loves Joe, read by Bear Grylls. That's me. This is Joe with his family. They love him very much. Something very sad has happened. Joe is sad because his sister Lucy has died. Joe's Auntie Sue sends him a card. It says this. Dear Joe, we are sure that God loves us. God is love. Joe, don't forget that however you feel, Jesus still loves you. Love from Auntie Sue. Lots of people come to Lucy's funeral. Joe enjoys playing with his friends. Jesus still loves Joe. Joe's family remember Lucy. They remember the good times and the sad times. Jesus still loves Joe. Joe's family do special things to remember Lucy. Jesus still loves Joe. Sometimes Joe feels angry. He wants to shout and punch and kick. Jesus still loves Joe. Sometimes Joe feels quiet. He just wants to stay inside on his own. Jesus still loves Joe. Sometimes Joe feels sad. Really, really sad. Jesus still loves Joe. 
Granny says, when we die, we go to heaven. Joe is pleased that Lucy is safe with Jesus. Jesus still loves Joe. Grandad says, in heaven, there is no crying or pain. Joe is glad that Lucy's body does not hurt anymore. Jesus still loves Joe. It's Joe's birthday. They have a big party with lots of fun. But then Joe remembers Lucy. He doesn't want to have fun anymore. He wants to shout and cry and hide. He wants Lucy to be there. Joe's mummy reminds him of the card from Auntie Sue. She tells Joe that it's okay for him to feel sad or happy or angry. She loves him very much and Jesus loves him too. Joe wonders what Lucy is doing in heaven. Maybe she's having a party with Jesus. Jesus still loves Lucy. And Jesus still loves Joe. That was awesome. That was really awesome. I mean, that tells the whole, in my opinion, the whole story of grief with a child. It's right on target. I still have a lump in my throat, so just so you know. I I I think it is okay just to to pause any time I show these videos when I'm teaching and stuff. I just always warn the students and just sit and quiet and just there's no rush to move on. It's yeah. mm. it's really powerful, and I'm sure um, I hope many children have access to these books. Um, as they deal with issues of grief, death, and dying. You know, I really appreciate your work in uh, spiritual play and bibliotherapy. You are a true representation of this profession that we love. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon, brother. Take care. Okay, bless you, Saul. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Brian, for all your support in the background. And uh, <laughs> bless you. Thanks for the opportunity to come and share and uh, look forward to disseminating the podcast. Bless you. Thank bless you. you. That was the legendary Paul Nash, and thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting Studio in Joliet, Illinois. Audio Hive Podcasting is a studio dedicated to podcast recording, editing, and production. For more information, you can find us at audiohivepodcasting.com.